An excellent morning, my friends, different parts of the world that are tuning in to All in One, One in All, uh, our weekly podcast teaching channel that dives into different areas of life and help us to unearth our greatness, helps us to unearth our love, our peace, and our joy, and expand it even more so that the world can be a better place for all of us to enjoy. If this is your very first time listening to All in One, One and All, my name is Dr. Harry Benjamin. Um, this, if this is your second or multiple times that you have listened to this um, broadcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. We thank you for chiming in and listening. You are playing a very important part in helping us to have a better world that works for the highest and best in each and every one of us. So thank you so much. Uh, there is an archive of teachings in different areas and different topics that help to unleash your potential, help to reveal your glorious nature, your magnificent nature, helps us to become more, and at the same time, we're not being less than our true selves. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, we dive into today's talk, and I'm very grateful for the privilege and the opportunity to share with you uh, just some quick updates as well. You know, a book of new thoughts has been doing very well. Um, it's actually sold about close to 400 hard copies so far in Lagos. And um, I've shipped a few copies outside of Lagos. And, uh, you know, that's continuing to develop. Uh, we recently uh, had an agreement with a large bookstore that has five locations in Nigeria. Uh, that's well known that we'll be carrying the book shortly. And then uh, we're going to put it into some other bookstores eventually. Uh, so it's continuing to spread. Online sales are going up higher. They're climbing more and more. Um, saw somebody that said she bought two online copies, one for her and one for another friend. So, uh, you know, we're continuing to do well with that. And the Consciousness Revolution Conference is coming up next year. And that's going to be um, quite a phenomena. Uh, when we bring some top speakers in the arena of consciousness expansion, in the arena of spiritual awakening that will come into Nigeria and by so extension West Africa as a consciousness revolution conference that um, we are spearheading all in one, one and all. We're spearheading that, we're hosting that. And that will be our very first conference, the very first of its kind in this part of the world. Uh, pretty exciting times, right? You know, it's, it's spawning itself from the Association of Global New Thought. Um, there's the AGNT Association for Global New Thought that's already unfolding and expanding. There's the Council of Religions. You know, so it's the, it's the bringing together of the world and getting past the nonsense of the past. And getting past separation and exclusion and, you know, getting past about, getting past the idea of being specially favored compared to others. Just getting past the limiting ways of being so that we can have a unified field of consciousness. There is a unified field of consciousness that exists already, but we are now becoming more aware of this unified field of consciousness that underlies our lives. All of us are in that field already. We live, move, and have our being in the unified field of consciousness or awareness. We are in that field already. You know, last talk, I spoke about what is love and 
you know, we discussed it from different angles. And then today, uh, we're going into, you know, where is the love? <laughs> where is the love? Is it, does it come and does it go? Uh, last week we spoke about what is love and, you know, we clarified some aspects of it in terms of recognizing that love is the very foundation of our life. Uh, your life, my life, all of our lives is love. We are created from love and as a result of being, being created from love and being created in the image and likeness of love, we are love itself. Now, we can be unloving in our behavior, <laughs> right? And I'm going to talk a bit about why that is so and, you know, help to flesh out how we can avoid making that error so we can more and more, moment by moment, day by day, maintain our loving nature, maintain our loving stance. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's dive into uh, the teaching today. Let's let's dive into where is love. Uh, we, you know, we spoke about the things that we're doing, and I promised you that I would have other people on this podcast soon. Uh, there's been so many beautiful things that have been unfolding by means of me. And uh, as a result, you know, a new business that we just launched in the travel industry, saving people money. So that's been occupying um, a good amount of my time recently. Still having my other business going, you know, having to attend to also family matters, ensuring that I play a role there um, in, you know, being a parent and parenting our three children and being a husband and many roles that have to be played. So... I'll get to it. I'll organize it. It's not difficult to do. It's just coordinating to get that done. And I and I will come through on my commitment. I've kept my commitment of making sure that we do this podcast every week. And I've been uh, on track with that. I think I skipped, like I, I'm kind of in between a week and a half off, but I intend to get that back on track or, or so uh, in maintaining and sustaining this teaching going so that those of you who are taking this in, you know, can flower, can blossom, can bloom, and reveal more of your glorious nature that's inherent in your being. You are glorious and magnificent. It's your natural state. Your natural state is magnificence. It's beauty. It's joy. It's peace. It's love. It's abundance. It's wholeness. It's perfection. That is your natural state. And the teachings here are helping us to become aware of what we are, become aware of who we are, become aware of where we are, and to remove ourselves from the illusory or illusion-type ways of thinking which lead to errors, and those errors carry experiences that nobody really wants. So, you know, when we talk about love, and we speak about what love is, and we spoke about Love being our very nature, love being the foundation of what we are. We heard in the scriptures that God is love. And, you know, that is one way of trying to define God. You know, some would say God is love and intelligence. Some would say God is um, beauty, magnificence. Some would say many things. And there are many ways to try to describe what we can never, ever describe. There will never be a word that we can put uh, God as, and that word gives us a complete understanding of what God is. You know, that God has to come through us by revelation. We have to have a revelation and inner insight, clarity within our own soul of what God is, who God is, and where God is, and what, you know, when God is, and why God is. 
And then when all of that is revealed in our own soul, it becomes clear that you and the presence of God is one. And there's no separation between you and God. There's no distance between yourself and the presence of God. The presence of God is, is our very life and our very being. So love, as one definition of God, we're told that we live, move, and have our being in God. And we could say, then, we live, move, and have our being in love. So the truth about love is that all of us are already in love with each other, right? We're already in love with each other. But when we talk about love from a human standpoint, we oftentimes hear people say, I love that person. I love this person, but I don't love that person or that person. And then we think that we can withhold love and give love in certain areas, meaning that we can keep love back and then we can advance love when we feel like it. And it appears to happen that way, but that is an illusion of living. That's not true living. We really cannot hold back love. We cannot stop love because it is what we are. We are already in love with each other. You know, sometimes when I do talks, and I've done this before, and where I ask you know, individuals to look at the person next to you and tell them that you love them the way you tell your husband or your wife. And people chuckle and laugh. And, you know, it's difficult for people to do that because, you know, we think that love is something that we should reserve for people who are very close to us. Right? So we tend to oftentimes don't release our love because we use it to show those who we prefer that we love them. Right? So, for example, uh, when this is a very, uh, I guess, acute example, let me use that word. Uh, but when you look at a situation of a loved one that is facing an illness, let's say, you know, your, your spouse, not that that is happening, but just if someone very close to you, either a very close family member or, you know, what we call next of kin, which means somebody who is like, you know, your mother, your father, your child, your immediate family. That's words like that we use to define these human constructs that we have. So in a situation here where uh, one of our family members is facing an ill health terminal condition, right? What generally happens is that people take out every dime that they could find from their bank account and pay hospital bills. You know, sometimes people pay $50,000, $30,000. Some people use up every cent of money that they have to try to preserve the life of a spouse, a child, or a parent. But the interesting thing is, if somebody is not next of kin, if somebody is a second cousin, or somebody is a neighbor, or somebody that they know, uh, that lives around the street, that is facing the same condition, they won't pour out the money in their bank account to do that. So why is this happening? Why is it that we would be willing to take our money out for the next of kin, but we uh, would be unwilling to do it for a distant relative or even a friend or a neighbor? Why is it that there's so much difference? Why is that special relationship between the ones who we call family members and the others that we think are not a part of our family. Well, it comes right back to the original root of separation. There's this idea that we believed 
eons upon eons ago that we are separate from the presence of God. I cover that in the second chapter of A Book of New Thoughts. Separation. Someone experiencing painful apparent restrictions abandoning their inherent omnipotent nature. Right? So it is an abandonment of our infinite, omnipotent, godlike nature that causes us to see each other as different from ourselves. And when we have that root belief of separation, it spawns itself now into what we call family. So we use our biological connections to define who is our family member. I, you know, because if your, your, your physical biology, your body came from two other bodies, or, but today we have people coming from a petri dish, <laughs> right? So, you know, uh, who is their family, right? <laughs> So um, that's serious, guys. Yeah, that's that's not serious, you know, like serious, serious. But it's, when I say serious, I mean I mean it. It's not. I'm not saying it like okay, it's theoretical. There are no people who have been um, developed from a petri dish. Okay, so who is their parent? Who is their father? Who is their mother? Right? It, it's the sperm and the egg that was in the petri dish um, that was led uh, to the ovulation and then was planted into the womb of somebody. So the womb of the person is not the original parent in terms of the biology because the womb was just the in the environment that facilitated development. Plus, they're surrogate uh, mothers now uh, where you know the sperm and egg is taken from um, two individuals who for one reason or the other cannot conceive or they may buy an egg. <laughs> they buy, buy an egg from a, a farm that sells egg or sells sperms, and they buy these things from them, and then they go ahead and have babies. So the idea here um, is that we, we have mistakenly identified ourselves with our biology, right? But today's day and age, we're seeing that, you know, that is an error. It's an error in identity. You are not your biology. Your biology is a suit. We have a bio suit, right? We're like, astronauts on planet earth we are from heaven and we are on the earth almost like astronauts that go to the moon that use a suit to take care of themselves and allow them to have the atmosphere that allows them to breathe and function so here we are heavenly beings we are spirit and because we are heavenly spiritual beings we're here on this earth and we're having a human experience while we're having this human experience, we misidentified ourselves as only or merely human beings because of the bodysuit that we're wearing. But the truth is that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. When we remember this truth that we are spiritual first and not human first, then it starts to change the perspectives and the ramifications are awesome. When we realize that we are love first, our life is love. So where is love? It is us. It is our life. It is here and it is now. It is not something that we give based on who is biologically connected with us and something we withhold from those who are not biologically connected with us. So we are now in the process of turning this upside down world right side up because it's difficult and it has been for me as well because I wouldn't at this stage, it's not practical to drain out the money in your bank account to try to save the body, which is an illusion of identity anyway of somebody who is, who is a stranger, right? Yes, you know, we do some, to some extent, do that for those who are physical loved ones, those who are, you know, what we call mother, father, children, 
yes, you know, the world right now has systems that you have to pay for something that should be free. We have to pay for healthcare, which should be free. It should be available to each and every one of us. Um, you know, if somebody has a challenge, it should be available to everyone. And we're going in that direction as a world. That's the world that we're creating. That's a part of why we're having this talk. We're creating a world that works for the highest and best in each and every one of us. And we will do away with the world of specialness, where you have to be connected to this person or that person to get certain privileges and certain benefits. You know, if you don't know that this person or that person or you're not following toe-to-toe behind this person, then you're not getting certain privileges and certain benefits. We are moving away from that world. We're going to create a world that every single being that enters this planet, food, clothing, and shelter, are already taken care of. Those things are already taken care of. It's like a guarantee. We're going to treat it like oxygen, where everybody has oxygen. Nobody has to be special to breathe. Nobody has to be special to take a breath. God has provided oxygen abundantly. It is unlimited in its availability. Just imagine if oxygen was treated the same way we treated healthcare. Where if you didn't have money, you couldn't breathe. If you didn't have money to go and buy your oxygen, quickly you run out of breath and die. <laughs> run out of oxygen and die because you didn't have the money to buy your oxygen. Right? So it's the same thing that we're doing with our loving. We are withholding our loving and allowing it to flow under certain circumstances and we are withholding it under certain circumstances. So what it is that we have been doing is giving love in the circumstances we feel deserve it and we have been withholding it in those circumstances that we feel don't. But that is just an error because of an error in identity. We made that mistake because of an erroneous identity based on a false foundation that we are human beings first. We are not merely our only human beings. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And as we wake up from this dream that we are separate from the presence of God, as we wake up from this dream that we are distance, we have been cut adrift, that that person over there is from a different country, and I'm from another country, and I'm from another race, and that person is from another race, and you know, I'm this tribe, that person is that tribe. As we get out of tribal living, and we arise into the unified field of consciousness or awareness that we are one, and there's nothing that anyone can do to cut the one into parts. We can believe in parts, but that will not make it real completely. That was just going to make a real like or a realistic experience. That's what realistic means. A real like experience. It's like reality, but it's not. It's an illusion of reality. So as we start to wake up from this dream that we're separate from God and we recognize the oneness of all of life, we'll recognize that we are already in love with everything and everyone. And there's nothing that we can do to take ourselves out of the pool of love. You cannot escape love because it is your life. It is like trying to run away from, run, run away from your vein <laughs> or you're trying to run away from your kidney <laughs> or your liver. It is part of the body, right? There's no running away from it. There's nowhere to go without it, right? You know, so it, it's just what it is. So our love is the foundation of what we are. So when we go about 
you know, advancing love, withholding love, it's just illusion of living. You're not living when you stop loving another. When you stop loving for whatever reason, somebody did something to you, somebody said something about you, somebody hurt you real bad, which happens, then we actually withhold our love. And what has happened over time is that that withholding of our love has led to these caked up emotions of resentment and bitterness and anger and you know all manner of negative emotions that arise because of the withholding of our love whenever we withhold our love for any reason it starts to become a caked emotion that sometimes bubbles up to the surface and expressing itself as irritation annoyance anger resentment bitterness it bubbles up at some point. It's always going to come back up because it's coming up for purification so it can go back to its original form. Practices that we spoke about in previous talks like silent meditation, affirmative prayer, you know, forgiveness, the five steps of forgiveness where you clean out those emotions. Anytime someone does something to you and hurts you real bad, it's important to take them through those five steps of forgiveness. Every time it happens, you know, forgiveness is really a nightly practice. Every night before you go to bed, you should actually do your five steps of forgiveness and clean out your heart. Clean out your heart space so that your love can continue to flow and doesn't coagulate because that coagulation leads to dis-ease. Dis-ease, what we call disease. When your spirit soul is not at ease, you're going to have an issue in the body temple, an issue in the body temple. You could end up with what we call like uh, cancer arthritis. You know, we give them names, but what it comes down to at the end of the day is a spiritual misalignment. There is a misalignment within our being, within our consciousness, that's blocking the flow of love into expression. Love needs to be expressed. We, you and I, we must express. If we do not express, we become constipated. And a constipated metaphysician is very frustrated, right? So you don't want to stay constipated with your love. You want to express your love. You want to share your love. You want to shine your love, right? Yes, there are circumstances that, you know, we may feel like we need to withhold it because of the way in which people may be behaving towards us. And that I can understand. But even in those circumstances, ladies and gentlemen, we are to allow our love to be. We're not to shut down and close off and run away. We are to stand and continue to love in the face of what looks like difficult situations to love in. So where is the love? The love shouldn't come and go. It's all, it should always be here. It should always, by means of you, be expressing itself. A great example of love continues to express is, for example, a flower, a beautiful rose. When the rose blooms, it releases a fragrance. When it opens up, it releases this beautiful fragrance. And it's not timing to see who is passing by, who did something nice to me today, who said, I am beautiful, I am looking good, I am looking sharp, I am looking fine. And then when that is said, ah... The rose releases its fragrance, right? Imagine if the rose behaved that way. The roses in the world, nobody appreciated me today. Nobody said, I love you today. Nobody, you know, told me how great I am, how wonderful I am. 
then because nobody said that to me, I'm not going to release my fragrance. I'm waiting for somebody to appreciate me, to tell me how much they love me before I will release my fragrance. That is what we do as human beings, right? We hold back the fragrance of our love because we're waiting for the condition to be right. We're waiting for somebody to do something a certain way that we believe it should be done. An interesting thing is that if you have ever tried to accommodate or behave um, the way others think you should behave because that's what they would that's how they will express their love to you. Like it happens in marriages a lot and, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend relationships where the other is, is seeking to, uh, let's, let's say you're the husband and then there's the wife or there's the wife and there's the husband, whichever one. But let's say you're a spouse and the other spouse. Then one spouse is wanting the other to say nice things and do nice things before love is expressed to the other one. Right? So the one spouse then is always trying to, do this, do that. Let me get dinner ready. Let me do this. Let me, let me, um, let me go and buy roses. Let me buy chocolate. You know, let me, um, let me send a nice note. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do these things, but when we're doing these things to manipulate the other to love us, then we're living it in reverse. Because really, both of us should, both people in the relationship should bring love to the relationship. Just think about both people in the relationship pouring out love. Not because the other is doing something or not doing something, but both are pouring forth love from one another. There'd be so much love in that environment that you can't help but to want to make dinner. You can't help but to want to cook food. You can't help but to want to get roses and do this and go get this and take nice baths and massages and all of these different things because the love is pouring out not because of condition, but it's becoming unconditional love. When there's non-conditional, unconditional love in relationships, those relationships become sweet because there's so much love that's being poured forth from the other. Not because of what one is doing, but because love is just coming forth naturally because we're not withholding it based on what someone is doing. Meaning that you're not waiting to be appreciated to love. You're not waiting for someone to say you're cool, you're pretty, you're handsome, you're this, you're not. You're not waiting for that to happen. You are revealing love by virtue of your own nature. Now, as you start to do this, this is what's going to happen too. Because, you know, I have to give you the, the challenging side as I'm giving you the good side, right? The challenges with loving is that you will get barbs thrown at you. When you love, the more you love, the, when you've decided to love, to express your love, to shine your love, to show your love, you're going to see negative things coming towards you from others, right? You're going to see sometimes people that you really love and care about say some very unkind things to you. And it's not that they're saying it to you. They're saying it from their level of understanding. And when they say it, really what they're saying is pray for me. Please love me, care for me, take care of me. So it is a difficult thing to love in that circumstance because you feel hurt that someone that you love and care about has said something unkind to you. But really behind the unkind statement is is the request for you to pray for them because they cannot see clearly in that moment. Because if they saw clearly in that moment that your love, their love, and their responsibility is to express love, they would not say something unkind. Because the unkind word is not 
going to you, it's a word that comes from them and is coming back into their lives because it is a seed that they sow. And whatever you say, you will experience. So you always are experiencing your own words. So it doesn't go to the other. It's not being coming to, to you, right? It may be said towards you, but it's not, definitely not coming to you. You have the power to not let that what's said enter your space of consciousness. People can say negative things to you and it can float right under your feet because you can levitate above all negative statements. In the beginning, it's tough because when you learn this philosophy, the first and you're practicing, oftentimes we react when the person or the individual says something negative in our direction or does something negative, takes the money from your bank account, somebody runs into the back of your car, you know, somebody, you know, did something over here, somebody did something you didn't like, they broke something in your house or they broke something in your environment, right? Or a business deal didn't go well or a relationship is struggling or your leg is having a, a, a particular issue because somebody, uh, the doctor didn't do a good job, right? So a lot of those things happen that now cause us to have what seems like justified reasons not to love. And when we are doing that, what we're doing is going in the opposite to way, the way in which we're designed. So it's difficult to love when those circumstances are around us. But we can, within our own consciousness, choose to to find the love, to express the love, to shine the love, to radiate the love, even when what seems negative is coming our way. And what will happen is that you will rise above it. You will be literally changing your vibrational level and coming up higher into the upper room of consciousness. And then that negative situation now flows under your feet, so to speak, and it cannot touch you. It cannot enter your consciousness because you have allowed yourself to be lifted up. And the more we practice this, in the beginning it's hard because in the beginning we're living in that human way of being and we react when somebody does something to us that we don't like and you may say something similar to what they did to you in an act of revenge but as you mature you will grow to where you'll say okay you'll understand the statement that revenge is mine saith the lord because the life the lord the principle of life love you know life itself because lord lawful operations revealing divinity lord l-o-r-d when it says revenge is mine it doesn't mean that god is going to get even for you. Our God is going to level the score for you. That's, that's not what that is. Right? Some of us may think that way in the beginning that God is going to get you because you hurt me. What well, I'm not going to do it, but I know God is going to get you. That's not what that means. What it means is that karma is in effect. So revenge is mine, meaning that when someone does something, when you say something stupid, it's coming back to you. Because the words that leave our mouth are boomerangs. We will experience the words we say. So why not just keep on saying loving, kind, gentle, purified statements? We can do that when we have worked on ourselves, when we have done our affirmative prayer, when we've done the silent meditation, when we have cleaned up our consciousness and eliminated the resentment, the, the, the anger, the bitterness, all of those negative emotions that came from previous experiences from ourselves and from our previous generations, we have the opportunity to literally alchemicalize all of those negative emotions and allow them to be transmuted back into love, joy, peace, and expressed through your heart by means of you. 
That's what we're here to do. So love is not somewhere. We don't need to do something. Love doesn't come and go. You cannot truly withhold love. You can believe you are. You can have an illusion that you are. But underneath all of the nonsense that we do to one another, love is there. It doesn't go and it doesn't come because it is your life, it is your being. And when we let go, when we release, when we allow, when we drop our armor, when we drop our sword, when we drop the glass bottles that we're trying to use to cut one another, when we drop all of that, the love just escapes naturally, right? You know, when people become tired of fighting with one another, love just escapes. It reveals itself. You become loving, gentle, and kind because it is your nature. If you've ever been through that, you've had a toss with somebody, you're upset for a while, and then you, you, know, you get tired of being upset, <laughs> then you realize that you're, you're back into loving again because it's your nature, right? Love is your nature. Love is what we are. We, we can't escape it. There's nowhere to go except to be a lover. <laughs> we are all lovers. We are all lovers. Underneath it all, with all the shenanigans that we put on on the outside and the things that we say and flare up and all of that stuff that we do on the outside, underneath all of that, we are lovers. Each and every one of us is love. God is love. You are love. You're created in the image and likeness of love. And there's nothing you can do to not be love. You cannot not be love. You can have an illusion that you are not love. But an illusion is not reality. The reality is love. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to love. So everything that you do going forward, remember this. Just If you could just take this one statement, right? Let all actions be an act of love. And everything that comes your way, let it be a call for love, regardless of what it is. Whatever someone does or says or didn't do, let that be a call for love. And all your actions, let them be acts of love. So we're continuously becoming more and more and more loving. And we are perfecting our loving nature as we go. My friends, it's been my privilege and honor speaking to you today about love. And as we now seek to expand our loving nature more and more, you and I will meet each other different areas around the world, and we will definitely see each other at the top, right? Because each and every one of us, we are already there, the omnipotent palace. We are at the top of life already. God bless each and every one of you. I'll listen to you on the next, or you'll hear this on the next um, podcast, all right? And I'll, 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 I'll see you guys soon. Hopefully, some of you I might never meet, um, obviously, because of the nature of podcasts and, and where this goes and people who are listening who I don't even know yet. I may not even get a chance to physically know, but definitely we are meeting in the spirit already. We are one. There's, there's no disconnection there. So God bless us all. God bless you all. Thank you once again for listening. And next week we'll dive more into love. Bye for now.